Kraken Fancast, the podcast for Seattle Kraken fans by Seattle Kraken fans. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kraken Fancast. I'm your host, Chris Porter. I'll be joined momentarily by my colleague, Jim Cockrell, for some Seattle Kraken hockey talk. We'll be going over and analyzing some uh, recent game results and also check in on some team news. Uh, For those of you new to our program, Kraken Fancast focuses on all subject matter about the National Hockey League's own Seattle Kraken. Share news about the team, analyze their play, and go over various team-related news in each episode. We'll also at times present some interviews with people directly involved with the team, as well as those in the fan community. Plus, we aim to go into some different subject matter sometimes that you might not hear on some other Kraken-related podcasts. Uh, Big thanks first off to our main sponsor, The Angry Beaver, Seattle's number one hockey theme bar located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. If you're not going to the Kraken game, catch it at The Angry Beaver. All right, we're unfortunately missing Nathan Gunderson, our pal, uh, for another episode. So, uh, Nathan, hopefully we'll see you and talk to you uh, in a couple of weeks on the next episode. Uh, but for today, Jim, it's you and me, Jim and Chris show. And we've got a few games to go over, uh, plus a recent player pickup and some other thoughts on some other subject matter. So let's uh, get right in on it. Um, so after the All-Star break, Kraken started the month of February with a five-game road trip, uh, four of those games against the Eastern Conference competition. And man, oof, did they start it all in a bad way. It seems like, I, I don't know, the guys have uh, an All-Star week break hangover or something. It was just, whoa. Uh, it was off uh, on all cylinders. Uh, they took on the New York Islanders in New York. Uh, it, was, it was on February 7th, and they lost four to zip. Ouch. That was a shutout. They actually had 32 shots on goal. You'd think, well, okay, they're getting some offense going on. But Islanders goalie Ilya Sorokin uh, stopped them all. Just, uh, Jim, just nothing really good to say about this game other than uh, it's far in the rearview mirror, right? It totally. That was a total dud uh, on my game notes. I just didn't have much to put down. In fact, if anything, I was putting down New York Islander notes. Like, that was Horvat's first game on the island with the club. Right, yeah. Former Canuck, actually, who they've seen a bunch of times. He got he, he got traded over to the Islanders, and that was one of his first Islanders games, I think. Right, and then he gets his first tally at home there. Uh, so they were all happy, obviously. And it was just a bad game. You know, Jones didn't have a very good game. And I, I remember saying something like, man, get the beat sand out of your shorts, boys. You know, because they were just, I mean, it was. Yeah. It seemed like they were still on the beach. Half more in Cabo and half were in Maui. So it took a while to get out of that grind in these five games, actually. So. Yeah, I uh, I could do my travel schedule. I didn't get to see that game. I mean, I saw highlights or lowlights afterward. So, uh, but that was my first thought too. It's like uh, still, still on vacay, boys. All right, let's wake up. You, you know, get 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 a cold slap on the ice there. Um, yeah. they look they looked a little more like themselves the next game. Arguably, I mean, it, it just relatively speaking, uh, they uh they uh a couple days later they went to new jersey to take on the devils uh devils did take that one though three to one uh adam larison started the goal scoring in that game after a scoreless first period so it was really good d on both sides uh but uh you know even though with larison's uh first score that that was it that was the only cracking goal uh all devils after that uh didn't dougie hamilton also make i think oh yeah 
he had some he some, had a couple uh, team power play tallies. <clears throat> That's right. Yeah. yeah. And hey, Devil yeah, Foley, so... Mackenzie Blackwood, uh, he oh, played man. really well. He stopped 33 shots that night. Uh Grubauer was in net that particular night. Um, like I said, looked better, but it's like still a little hangover, boys. Yeah, you know, it the, the first period was great. It was solid action both ways. It took a little while to get going, but it was scoreless. And then, you know, Larson started the scoring in the second. And then, of course, like we just said, Dougie Hamilton was kind of hot. He had two power play back-to-backs. And there's been people, you know, saying, oh, well, how come he's not in the Norris conversation type of deal? Because he's having a good year. Um, and, you know, that as people say, and I, it bugs me when they always say, like, you know, Gru did have a great game. He's 9.23 save percentage, and he wasn't getting any goal production. And people always want to save run support and tie it to baseball. That kind of drives me nuts, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It's like we got our own. Just start putting yeah, the puck right, in. The yeah, net. yeah, exactly. You know, and um, but it wasn't a bad game. We took some stupid penalties. Yanni got in some penalty trouble there. Um, some players that did have actually decent games. Wenny looked good again. Larson and Dunn combo looked solid. But other than that, you know, they just they were in it, but not really. And and like you said, Blackwell was standing on his head. Whenever you say, hey. You know, your goalie's doing well, and where's the uh, goal production and run support? Well, guess what? There's a guy at the other end doing just as good, if not better. So, But Gru played well. He's back on track. We'll keep going on to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll talk more. He is looking better, dot, dot, dot. Uh, all right, so two two losses there. Uh, and then, well, maybe they can bounce back. Rangers looking really good. They're, 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 they're coming on. So they got to go to Madison Square Garden, the Kraken, that is, uh, to take on the New York Rangers. And they found themselves in one hell of a hole in this weird one. They were down four to nothing by the middle of the second period. Oliver Bjorkstrand initially saved the Kraken from being totally shut out. And it was like, okay, four to one. But then they start chipping their way back. I was like, oh, I don't know if they're going to really come back. But, hey, McCann gets a goal. Tanev gets a goal. But that that wasn't over enough to overcome the deficit. Plus, you know, the Rangers, you know, kind of woke up a little later and started playing well again. Ultimately, the Kraken lost that one, six to three. That that was a weird one. Yeah, that, that was really frustrating for me to watch. Uh, first of all, they were out of it early, three goals in the first period, and of course, it was a national game, and it was Tarasenko's first game, as you know. The and he did what he yeah, supposed the Blues to yeah. ended up with the yeah, Rangers, after the so. deal. And he scored and it looked good. It was the, the book was being written and um, they were off and it, you know, then they scored another within five minutes, Capo Caco. And I remember saying, Oh man, I would actually call a timeout here just because it's too, too early. Uh, he didn't. And I was even considering thinking, you know what, why not just yard Jones right there anyway and change it up. And they kept going. Then it was three zip. And I said, you got to pull Jones here just to, change the complexity of this game here didn't and then you said back and forth it turned into a running game a run and gun game as you know i can't stand as a former coach it drives me nuts and i still don't understand in a hacksaw system how he even lets it get to that point but that's what happened and uh we started doing stuff that we were doing last year with the the breakdown and bad coverage and two d caught in a corner and an unprotected winger on the off wing Nobody there. Just the typical bad stuff that kills us every time. And the end result was that score, 6-3. to three. Um, Jones didn't play well. Faceoff sucked. 
PK wasn't good. It just was. It was just a wild game. It was. It was good for the TV audience that didn't care, but for us, it was not good. Yeah, sloppy. Uh, yeah, people want to see goals. Yeah, you got nine of them in that game, but that's not necessarily what's supposed to happen in hockey, folks. Uh, so yeah, so nasty three game losing streak at that point, and then they go into Philadelphia, take on old Torts, John Tortorella's Flyer team, who have been you know struggling most of the season so uh unfortunately it was a nice bounce back they finally got a bounce back Kraken really needed it at that point got a victory that night not a flawless one but they they won four to three over the flyers uh it seemed like they had the most they were in control of most of that game there was a late flyers goal there to make it four to three but uh you know it, i was feeling good that Kraken would hold on jordan ebley ellie tolvanen he's he keeps on the gift that keeps on giving there and then Jaden schwartz they were the goals that night schwartz with two schwartzy you're like you get a hat trick here it wasn't to be but he got two nice goals that was really nice to see philip grubauer with the winning goal that night so we're seeing grub a little bit more lately although yeah there's a last trick in my head he only had 18 shots on him that game and three of which he let in. So I don't know if I'd call it a great game from him, uh, 15 stops, but, uh, it was a win. Right. Um, I have that as a green game. So that's a positive note. It is the flyers though. They should be winning that game. Uh, we actually won the dot that night at 56%, which is kind of surprising. That was another. Yeah. I I had a double take on that. Another stat that kind of blew me away. That's, people don't talk about much is you know the flyers blocked 24 shots that night that's insane so we were throwing a lot of rubber no matter what um you know and it was good to see Tolby get that again but Schwartz you know I'm a big Schwartz guy other than when he's always injured but man it seems like when he gets hot he gets hot I remember there was one there was one takeaway I forget who it was against because there was one where I'm like Oh, he screwed up there. He was bringing up the goal. Some somebody it, it took away the puck from him. He's kind of it didn't mount to anything. But it was I remember in there, and I'm like, oh crap! What the hell, Schwartz? But it, there was something like five, six minutes later, he gets one of those goals. So I'm like, all right, you made up for it. Yeah, no, it's great because you know he scored late in the second and then early in the third, which was you know those are those are great goals, late and early. So yes. I, by the way, we did give up a shorty in that game. Uh, yeah, that was a soft goal from the boards. And we gave up a shorty the game before. So that's something we need to watch out for here. Um, that's just sloppy. Other players of note that had decent games, uh, Wenny again, uh, Bjorkstrand. And uh, Will Borgen had a nice game all the way around. Yep. But like you said, on the, on the Gru thing, you know, low shots, he won. But he finally got his W. Um and guess what? That was enough to carry over to the next game. Now we can talk about this. It's got that feel now, doesn't it? It sounds like it's going to be his crease because his numbers are up. Um, he got his first back-to-back games since pre-injury. So there's a sign. Uh, as soon as I saw the roster, I thought, okay, this is it. He's going to roll with him for a bit here. So we shall see. When yeah. they get home, how it goes, you know? Exactly. Yeah, they're on their way back home. Uh, we'll stop over in Winnipeg, leaving the East, Eastern Conference, going to a conference rival, Winnipeg Jets. Uh, that was a pretty even game. And one I thought the Kraken would hold on to and win. Uh, but a third period, late uh, third period goal by the Jets, Pierre-Luc Dubois, eventually sent the game in overtime. The overtime period yielded no goals. So it has to go to one of my least favorite things in hockey, a shootout, uh, which Winnipeg won. I don't know. The Kraken ever won a shootout? For fuck's sake. I, I feel like a shootout, they just never win. I don't know. 
I have to look. No, back they have stats. I don't think they have. Yeah, they have. So Kraken at least get one point. Uh, yeah, that's nice. But you know, uh, three three points out of a possible ten uh, ain't great. Um, no. John Hayden and Jared McCann came up with the goals on that night. Uh, so more more Hayden sightings, huh? Oh, hey, uh, speaking of Hayden. So when I was watching that game, first of all, yes, that was a good effort for all the way through. A little frustrating at the end. Why does it seem like every time we play them, it's a frustrating game? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That's what that not is. the first time we said that. You're right. Yeah. So um, Hayden, I remember it was the uh, first period. It was, yeah, because that's when he scored. Um, there was a shot down the bench, and he was at the end of the bench because you know he's fourth line minutes guy sitting down at the end. And he, I just saw the profile of him, and I thought, you know, I'm ready for some uh, John Hayden fourth line minutes here. I'm ready because it it was scoreless for the first period, and um, it. It just had an intense back and forth battle. And I just wanted somebody, I wanted the fourth line to shake it up and go out. And I don't mean by getting, you know, dropping the mitts, but I mean, just, just making it ugly and, and floor check and everything else, making it ugly. And sure enough, he, he goes out with a geeky and geeky sends a beautiful feed on a two and one across and Hayden's backpedaling right into the blue paint and super nice tap. And I go, there it is. And it was like, not even a minute later after I posted that. And I can remember a couple guys got back and like, boom, you know, it was, that was a perfect timing to get that fourth line out there and shake it up a little bit. Uh, too bad it didn't carry over. But, yeah, that, man, the, the shootouts. We can talk all day on those, can't we? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm curious, you know, what your take is. They, they bring, you know, uh, hate, well, um, Kale Fleury too, I guess. But, I mean, they, when they've somebody's been down, there are guys at Coachella Valley, and we'll talk a little bit about the Firebirds a little, a little bit, but um, they bring Hayden up, and he's solid, but he does not have the best stats of the Firebirds. Why are they bringing him up and not some other guys? Well, I mean, you know. The, experience? Huh? Is it maybe more uh, of an experience thing? Because he has had that well, time. I mean, they, it's a fourth line rotation thing. You're going to have somebody in in this box up there, right? You're going to have one D, two forwards, whatever on the roster, and you know we're going to do it because remember they were Geeky was just sitting out there for a while. He was trying to light a fire under Geeky, you know, a month ago, things like this. So you just bring him in, um, and you know Bjorkstrand or I'm uh, not Bjorkstrand, but Burkowski's out, so that opens up one roster spot, and you just drop everybody down, and so you bring Hayden in. I mean, the guy, he's a fourth line grinder. He's perfect. And he's a physical dude and he can, he has some scoring touch actually. He, he, he and he can drop him if need be. That's one thing we're kind of light on. Uh, it's, it's a nice mix. It's perfect for a fourth line energy line. Um, but that kind of gets into the whole, you know, where we're at with these injuries and that, you know, it's one or two guys out of that top six and it just kind of toys with things, you know? Yeah. They, they're missing Andre, uh, one of their best players this year. Uh, and of course we, we don't know how long he's going to be out. Um, I mean, other guys like Schultz is back, Schwartz is back. I mean, some Maddie's back, of course, you know, we were talking about, it was great to see him not out super long, um, but he's been a little cold, eh? Absolutely. You know, and nobody's really talking about it. And when it's probably a lot has to do with the fact that, you know, the injury against Vancouver, the all-star break, the comeback. So there's a gap there. Everybody's in a little bit of a, a fog of what's been going on. Uh, he's actually pointless, pointless in the last 10 games. Uh, he's a minus nine and he has 13 shots. 
Those are no low no, low numbers for our buddy Maddie. Um, it's probably going to take a while to get in the groove. I don't know what's going on. Um, you know, those numbers started on January 16th against uh, Tampa Bay. So it's been a roll. Uh, he needs to get get on the board and, and get out of that little funk. Um, Burkowski has been out since February 7th against the Isles. And like you said, it's a mystery. They did say week to week. You never know what that's going to be. But you pull one of you pull one of those guys out of the top six. You know, you got some line adjustments, and that chemistry just kind of goes whack a little bit. It's it's hard to gain it back, and it's it's showing. I mean, we were four, four and six in these last ten. It wasn't a great road trip. It was three points. Um, you know, and one of the positives is is actually Gruz actually hit for the his career in Orla. Since he's been in Seattle, he's hit finally hit 900 save percentage. So that's been that's been nothing. To, I mean, hasn't been around since he got here. So he's playing well. Uh, I'm a little concerned where the club's out right now because you know we're there's like six points dividing five or six teams in the Pacific, and they're right on our butt. Uh, you know, Vegas is right there, obviously above everybody. But, you know, you got Edmonton's right in the mix. L.A.'s in the mix. Calgary's slowly coming up. I, I know Calgary fans well, and they're frustrated with their club, but I think they'll probably be there in the end. So we got to just watch it here. Uh, it's pretty tough. I, we lose one or one guy at a time out of that top six, and it hurts. The bottom six, fine. You can plug and play those guys all day long, and they've been proven they can play and produce. So a little concerned. Yeah. I mean, the, the play, you know, the uh... – as a playoff stand, as that as our recording, uh, you know the uh, the Kraken are still in the mix, but yeah, you've got Edmonton, Minnesota, Calgary, right nipping at their heels within you know four, like you said, four or five points. Even Nashville's kind of coming up a little bit, uh, a little further back, but uh, and I'm not really worried about yeah. other teams. Which, no, you know, there's quite a few, but yeah. Um, no, nothing's a gimmick here, but also you know, on the other hand, uh, they're only two points behind Vegas and one point behind the Kings. They've been going back and right. forth on the Kings in the standings. So, yeah, every every game from here on is important, you know. Right, and you know what? We have no more games in hand. Those are gone. They've been gone for a week. So, you know, you got to win that division. Um, those double points, you got to you got to win the conference as well. I can throw those East Coast, East games away i don't care about that but it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting man it's probably gonna be you know what a couple years ago they had what one point down at the end for the bubble team to get in and it's crazy yeah it's, it's actually right been pretty end. fun oh yeah it's every every game's gonna be important and as in i'm sure they're gonna still be in the mix i don't i don't feel like they're gonna go on any big slide but uh yeah it's gonna feel like playoffs leading into the playoffs are potentially right. and which is yeah, great some, and people people get excited at climate pledge arena when they're like down five to one and they, hey they scored a second goal <laughs> so <it's> like <laughs> can you imagine if it's it's all meaningful games uh it's gonna yeah. be fun to be at at games it's interesting to see you know getting into more just the attendance and the fan experience and everything it's uh i mean they're always Tickets going to be available by for resale or whatever. People can't go or whatever. But I'm noticing it, compared to this time last year, a lot less available each game. Oh, that for sure. And you know, I located a couple of single game tickets that weren't on my uh, season ticket grab, and I've had to 
spend a little more and search a little harder and get a little later towards puck drops. So it's, it's starting to show. And you're right, man. I was just thinking about this yesterday about, and it's not the first time I thought about it, about the whole potential playoff run. And um, man, it's going to be electric. It is. It's going to be great. Hey, one thing I wanted to bring up too, before we forget is also they did pick up one player. Want to get your take on it. Jacob Megna, defenseman who would uh, first come up with the Anaheim Ducks. He was with the San Jose Sharks in recent years. Big, big guy, 6'6", 220. I guess he's there to get in the way, right? Yeah, he was picked up uh, right around the end of Schultz's coming back. Nobody really knew when Schultz was coming back, but that's when they picked him up. And so technically, he's a 7D. Um and that puts uh, Flurry back to Coachella type of deal, um, but he's yeah he's a big guy. He's, he's a more of a stay at home kind of D. You know he was even in San Jose he was a six seven D, but they had some injury issues going on, so he would move into the roster. He was actually paired up with Carlson for a while there, and as you know Carlson's all numbers oh, and so he would he was a defensive shut guy down. Now I watched his games. I think he played two of this so far. He was a bit lost, but you're going to be lost, man. He, you got to be in this system for a while in practice in, alone to understand the Haxel system. Um, I mean, that's when Tolvi got here as a winger. He sat, I think, four, maybe even five games before he got his first start. So he was trying to learn the system, you know? Yeah, I mean, so, that was a nice surprise that Tolvi jumped into the system so quickly because one could argue it took the the core of this team a whole season oh, yeah. at the system well it helps when you're hopping on the the pp for sure and you got that one-time shot like he does but right. uh yeah the magna i mean magna is going to be interesting because you know it, it's a 7d you need that 7d whether he's up in the box or filling in for an injury or whatever but you know what does that do with flurry then you know it's is somebody going to be dealt here when, as you know, there's, there's probably going to be one or two D moving in the off season. And I've all of a sudden heard some league interest in Borgen, which is kind of an eye raiser because I've learned to really like Borgen and minutes have made him a good player as deep as he is on the, the D slot. He has totally improved his game. And you know what? The scouts notice it and they want him in a five, six pairing somewhere. And he's perfect for that. And we, you never know, we might lose him. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, he's noticeably, he felt like sort of a non-factor to me last year in general. And this year, I mean, you just see him making a lot of good plays and his name mentioned more. And um, yeah. The boards rattle when he's around, you know what I mean? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. No, indeed. Indeed. So that'll be, that'll be interesting uh, to see, you know, we were talking about Hayden and Fleury and, you know, going back and forth to AHL there, uh, the Coachella Valley Firebirds, I, I still keep an eye on. I, we got to see them, of course, one of their, before their arena was ready, we got to see them play at Climate Pledge Arena a little earlier this year. I was hoping to go down to Palm Springs and see them down there. And I, I'm sure I will eventually. I don't know if I'll get a chance this, this, uh, season just because of schedules and stuff but uh keeping an eye on them uh at least in the standings and news and everything this team is eight one and one in their last 10 games uh, they are second in the pacific division behind the uh, calgary wranglers uh what does that give them they give them 65 points pretty yeah pretty solidly in second place um so nice to see all those guys even though they're not really getting you know other than a small handful of them you know they're not getting much of a look uh 
at the at uh, Seattle coming up, but uh, guys like McCormick, Twarnitsky, I mean guys we you know Portowalski, uh Jesper Foden, you know, and also our our boy Joey Decord, you know, playing really solidly out down there. So uh, nice to see that. Uh, also, uh, I thought I'd go into uh, the ECHL. I was I was pleased to hear. Uh, uh the uh, radio broadcast one of the guys uh i don't think it was everett i, I maybe it was mike ben i i couldn't remember who was saying it but they were like going into echl territory uh that's the, the for those of you who don't know sort of double a level minor league affiliate so that's the kansas city mavericks folks yes they got a little seattle radio love of how they're doing and uh right now they're in third place in the mountain division uh, behind Idaho and Wichita, so they're doing okay. They got a 22, 18, and five record. Will we ever see any of the Kansas City Mavericks moving up to the NHL? That's kind of a kind of a stretch, but it could happen. So it's good to uh, be aware what's going on uh, with prospects in the Seattle Kraken minor league system. Also, great to see what the prospects are doing uh, in the juniors, Jim. You've been keeping an eye on that, right? Yeah, I just recently decided to dabble after I saw an article uh, written about Tucker Robertson, who we drafted uh, last year. And he's with the Peterborough Peets of the OHL, and he's having a rather nice year. He's like 31 goals, 39 assists in 70 games, or pardon me, 49 games, 70 points. But more important, his two-way game is really developing, they say, which is almost like, um, you know, Maddie Beneers type level stuff. So the, this is a guy they're they're moving up high on their rank all of a sudden. Uh, you know, thirty one goals some, at this point of the season. That that's yeah. I mean, seventy points, forty nine games, two way wow. player. Come on, I mean that's solid. Yeah. I mean, and then uh, there's still tabs on uh, Jagger Jagger Furcus, uh at Moose Jaw on the OHL. He's doing what he was projected to do. I remember he got a little bit of a slower start, but um, he's got. Uh, 28 goals, 68 points in 51 games at 1.25 points per game. Um, great numbers. As you know, though, remember, he's a smallish type player. He's going to need some, a lot of, you know, gym work with the, the team specialist and, and get him all beefed up. Uh, be interesting to see where his career goes uh, after, after junior. I'm sure he'll be doing some Coachella time for a while. Um, let me, uh, Ty Nelson, man, you and me saw him at camp and we were both impressed. I'm yeah. really impressed with him. He, that guy, he is solid. He, he kind of reminds me of like a, when you look at him, like a Ray Bork, short and stout. Um, and he, he kind of plays like a Tory Krug, but he's got a huge cannon from the point. I mean, this guy's split pucks before. Um, there's a YouTube video out there. Anyway, he's he been having a really good, like they, yeah, he took, well, he took a big, big shot and it split the puck in half. Wow. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I it hit the post. I get a crossbar. I can't remember, but I, the guy is some ho hockey lingo. You're giving me. No, he really, well, the puck. Wow. no, he's well, no, maybe we can apply that somewhere though. Hey man, I split pucks. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he's really doing it. Well, uh, it's 19 goals, 61 points for a D man in 51 games. And he's got that big time shot. He had a hat trick the other night, uh, about a week ago on the OHL for a defenseman. And then Shane Wright, of course, you know, he's been the full gambit of what you could do, NHL level, AHL level, uh, World Juniors championships, back to the OHL. Uh, he, he got traded there from Kingston to Windsor after he got back. And, you know, he's got 14 points 
He's got six goals, 14 points in seven games. And that's that's totally adequate numbers for Shane Wright. Going to Windsor, that's better for Shane. Aren't they a better team than Kingston these days? It, it was all about a some type of playoff push. Get him over. That typically happens in the in the major juniors. You know, it happens in Seattle. Happens everywhere. There, there's a team with a role. They can get some players going, make some deals, uh, trade off a lot of bantam picks type of things to try to get make a a championship run. So that's what they did. And he's better off there because it's a better club. He'll get more exposure with uh, points and a power play or what? Well, not more exposure, but just better players all around him. So uh, the. The report I could go on and on, but those are just five players I picked out. Um, of course, you know you got your Riker Evans; he's doing his thing there. I don't know what his ultimate timeline is, if it's even guaranteed, but he's he's progressing probably exactly where he should be, you know. Um, but I'm I'm more I'm thinking guys like this Ty Nelson, you know, he could come up, before, you know, within two years type of deal, sign a contract. I don't know the way he's playing. I, I'm impressed, so. We've got a nice prospect pool, and you know what? If we if we need to work a deal on a bigger player down the line and make some trades, uh, that's that's good stuff. It's tough to lose prospect, but you might have to on some deals, you know. Well, especially if they're in a playoff push here, and it's a little uncertain. Yeah. I, I, it wouldn't. Nothing would shock me really, because I feel like Hextall does some things we're not expecting uh, in a lot of realms. So maybe they won't make any trade, but I, I kind of think they'd. And I'll get it. I think Axel, it's Ron Francis, isn't it? So I mean, I could see yeah. Francis making somebody, you know, who, who, you know, you and I were, well, we've said it a million times and, and now we're like backing off like Winberg, you know, he's a chip, he's looking good. So we'll get something good for him, but he, uh, you know, an extra good lately. I don't know. You know, let's, let's hang on that subject for a bit. You know, I see everybody's chatting on Twitter these days about, you know, what's going to happen at the trade deadline. Who's going where you got your seven or eight bigger names, you know, your Timo Myers, your Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, O'Reilly, uh, Chickering, Carlson, Sam Bennett's. Um, I don't see, you know, Ronnie's a pretty smart guy when it comes to managing a club. He doesn't have a history of really doing big time blow up deals. Um, I think he's on his build and I think he's happy where he's at exactly right now. And I, and he would have to give away some stuff. He's not in a position to do a rental. No, that would be dumb as hell in your second year as a franchise to do a rental because you don't know what you're doing. Um, you know, to achieve some of these guys, it, it would come with uh, some retention of salary or whatever. And, uh, so, and then the guys below this list, the second tier type of players, you're not going to really get that much exchange for what you're getting rid of as far as on the club already. I just don't see him doing anything. It's it's like if you're going to make the playoffs and you're going to make a push, you're going to have to make a deal. I don't see him doing that in his second year. I see him building slow and methodical the way he should, you know? Yeah, because this team feels like – or at least the the point of what he's doing. And I'm just getting this vibe, you know, we have a young club in the grand scheme of things, and it feels like it's a big picture, long-term plan. Exactly. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe five years in my head, I was thinking up front before the franchise even started, like, all right, make it a goal for five year to be right there, you know, conference finals, Stanley cup, whatever, you know? I mean, yeah, last year, I think we all can agree and, and whether Ron or Haxtell or anybody would admit it, you know, I'm just thinking from interviews we've heard from Forslund or people around the team, 
last year was a little surprise. They didn't think necessarily a playoff team, but they were they did worse than I think everybody kind of thought. So then and we know, but did. such a bounce back this year. Maybe they're doing a little better than people thought. But I think feel like now it's now this is the team though. If I go way way back, I, I this is the team I thought you know they're in the mix, and right. I had low expectations at the beginning of the season because I my brain was trained to how things went last year. But right. with Burkowski, Bjorkstrand, Jones, Schultz additions, and it's the other guys, the core guys, just gelling better, figuring things out with Hackstall's system. Hackstall probably adjust, having to adjust, you know, with his coaching staff. And, you know, they've learned from mistakes and they've they've addressed a lot of it. So, hey, all right. So this is the team that we were ex- kind of expecting, you know, kind of maybe a bubble right. team or in the middle. Of it. And they've been a little better than a bubble team, of course. A lot of games. Right. But uh, it does. I agree wholeheartedly. Agree with you. I yeah. I wouldn't want to see any big, you know, trades. No, you're going to screw up year three, four, five. Then then it's not necessary. And they still could make a good run. This is such a streaky kind of game. It's like who's yeah. got momentum? You know, how many Presidents Trophy teams do we see? You know, crap it in the in the playoffs. Right. So it's like who's hot at the right time? And they have just as much of a chance as you know, half a dozen of these other teams that are in the mix. So, yeah, I, agree. I just think it's the only way they're going to make a tweak. I could see them making some little tweak of something maybe we're not aware of, just some chemistry thing or something. Right. Or just, there's just something that somebody becomes available and they play that person, that player played with a couple of a couple of his old teammates on the crack and there could be something or one of the coaches really loves the guy. One of those yeah. little intangible things. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, no big changes. <laughs> I agree. My, my my only concern is what we talked about earlier about the whole one or two injuries, not even at the same time, just one at a time, you know, in that top six can really throw it off, you know, and depending on what's going on with um, Burkowski, you know, we don't know. He, they might be forced to have to do a deal. Who knows? But um, I just, you're right. I mean, last year was so disappointing. But one thing we, you know, the COVID had a lot to do with that shitty year too. It was just threw everything off. Chemistry, uh, bond, team bonding, everything, fan bonding, everything. There's a psychological disadvantage to that whole year. It couldn't have happened at a worse time. Um, and then this year, you know, because we were always saying, okay, you know what? Realistically, you could be a 500 club. That's all we were ever hoping for, right? Yeah. Didn't happen. It was bad. And here, like you said now, okay, look at this year. We're like well above that. And we're like, okay, this is fine. And it's almost like you could have totally accepted the 500 year this year. So. This is good, but guess what? We're coming down to crunch time. We're under 30 games, basically. Everybody's tight. Everybody's good in the Pacific right now, except for those bottom teams. Man, um, you can't afford to drop two or three in a row from here out, uh, especially in your own division or conference, for that matter. I'm just a little concerned with those guys um, staying healthy. That's about it. They got lucky that Vegas and the Kings didn't go through a, a big streak, you know, the other way. So oh. not too far back, you know, in Calgary and some of these other teams have been so inconsistent. So, I mean, Kings. a lot of these teams are all fighting their own demons. Kings are such a weird team because they've been kind of hanging out there the whole time. Then they dropped a little bit. But you know what? Their goal differential has always been in the can. They're finally getting it. I think they're still minus one. But, like, all year long, that number has been just like, what the hell is this anomaly? 
you know, win big, lose big. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. Well, they, they, the Kraken have got some tough games coming up, Toronto, Boston Bruins, uh, among others, you know, and then, you know, granted those are Eastern conference. Oh. Games. Everything's really, really important. All those Western games. Oh, by the way, I was just looking at that schedule out. Uh, you know, you got that Philly, you got that Detroit. There's a lot of the schedule is looks easier here in the next month than what's been happening. I mean, we've got some toughies, obviously, with Boston, Toronto, but there's a lot of winnable games that are on paper, and I sure hope they take advantage of that. Absolutely. Good stuff. All right. Well, we'll we'll be keeping an eye on it for sure. So uh, thanks, Jim, for all that insight. Um, uh, we don't have a message from the deep for this one, so uh, we're just going to wrap it up for now. Uh, we thank you very much for tuning in, everybody. Uh, please keep in mind, if you haven't already, join us on Facebook, on Twitter. We're at Cast Kraken is our handle there. We're also on Instagram and YouTube. Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and our very own website, seattlecrackenfancast.com. We also hope you'll consider supporting us on Patreon, financial support platform. You can find more information for that at patreon.com slash krakenfancast. That helps us keep doing what we're doing. We love our supporters. We're very grateful to them, and uh, we thank you for even considering it. So thanks on that. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with more game discussion news. And, uh, again, working on an interview. We're just running in some scheduling issues, but we're going to get some more interviews too. So that's coming up. So for my buddy Jim Cockrell, Nathan Gunderson, who we'll hopefully see back here next time, and our wonderful producer Jay Middleton, I'm Chris Porter. We thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, we say, go, go crackin'. Crackin'.